the Father is with us. Jesus is with us. He is alive. He is at work. He is present. He is powerful. He is transforming us. He is building his church today. Amen? And the Bible's clear that, that Jesus is leading the church. We may have people that hold positions in the church, pastors, staff, and others, but it's Jesus who is leading the church. It's who we look to, to lead the church. We don't just make our own plans. We're looking to him, to what he says, to what his purposes are, to what his plans are, and we simply align with that. He is the head of the church, and Jesus is building his church. He, he's the one who said, I will build my church. This is his commitment. This is his promise. I know sometimes in this day and age, we like to think of the faith as being for our personal benefit, which it does. It has some benefits. It obviously brings peace to our lives. It can help us overcome old patterns in our life. It can conform us and transform us to be like Jesus. But part of that process that you cannot separate is the fact that he has put us together as a family, as a body to be the church. And if you want to see all of those other things happen in your life, if you want to be conformed and transformed and see God work through you and, and be part of what he's doing, then you have to be involved in the growth of the church and the life of the church. This is how Jesus has built his church and is building his church. And he does that through us. There's this staggering passage to me in 1 Corinthians where he says that we are his fellow builders I don't know about you, but I feel completely unworthy to be a part of the anything that God uses to change the lives of others and glorify himself. Amen? Naturally, you and I have no ability to do any of that. To be a part of the process that redeems lives, changes entire families, rescues marriages, heals mental and emotional health, frees people from their addictions, to know that God would call us to be part of the eternal work on planet Earth, that is a total act of grace on his part. Because you and I, that's not where we come from. We come from sin in our past. We come from brokenness in our past. And the fact that he would say to you and I, I call you fellow builders with me. I'm building the church and I am calling you, I'm gifting you to be part of that process. It's stunning to think that we could have a part in the Spirit's work to cause life to come into someone, to, for them to become disciples for them to be made new, it's a stunning work. And this is what he invites us to. We have this humble privilege, but also given responsibility to do this. This is what we are called to. It's not an optional thing. It's not one of those things that you can just say, eh, I think I might try adding that into my life. You might do that, but God calls us to make this who we are. In fact, we are called by Scripture to gather together. We are acting in accordance with Scripture this morning. We're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. I think I've said it before, 
you know, back during the COVID era, we weren't sure what was happening and churches were shutting down and we did for a time. Given that repeat scenario, if I knew now what I knew then, I would have never closed our doors. We would have stayed open and those that wanted to come, we would have been here and we would have met because we are called to not forsake the gathering of the body of Christ. We are called to baptize those who are born again. We are called to make disciples. We are called to pray for one another. We're called to engage in spiritual warfare for one another. We're called to lift up the weak. We're called to come alongside one another. We're called to serve one another. We're called to worship together, to take communion. We're called to bring our tithes. We're called to go into all the world. We're called to raise up the next generation. And we are called to train leaders. This is what the church is called to do. So what you're going to see happen today is in obedience and accordance to what the scripture has called us to do. And it's exciting for me to know our church is just now eight years old. And since we've begun, we've seen countless come to faith, baptized a lot of folks, many have grown and come into the body. We're in two services now. We're seeing lives transformed, homes changed, habits broken, strongholds released. We've seen people radically change and seen God answer prayer because the body has chosen to believe and pray bold. Amen? Yeah, amen, that's right. We've seen all that happen. And today, we stand at a place of another great honor. Because you are gonna see today, we're gonna recognize some men who have served as elders, and they've served long enough in their positions that they are gonna be granted the elder emeritus status. How about that? It's a great honor for these men. You're also gonna see um, someone be licensed into ministry. And I get it that, you know, if you haven't been around church a long time, some of these terms may seem foreign to you. I'm going to explain them all to you today. It'll all make sense. But we have licensed, this will be our number seventh person into ministry here at Vertical Church in eight years. In other words, we have recognized the call of God on someone's life. They have told us, they believe they're called into ministry, and we have recognized that and are helping them enter the process of training for ministry. We're also going to ordain two men today. These are massive steps for a church. It's important for us to recognize today as we move forward as to what God is doing. Now, let's look at some scripture that'll set up the day for us and help us understand what's happening. So turn your Bible to Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And the Bible gives us here instructions and description about the church and our role and what God is doing in the church. So here's what it says in verse 11. It says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now there's kind of a, uh, there is a historical uh, narrative here in this passage. I'm not going to go into the depth of all of that today, but in that verse 11, it describes this these flow of people that God has given uh, to the church, and these are all clear. I think I have this verse for us to look at together. Uh, apostles and prophets, evangelists and pastors and teachers, 
And these are all significant within the body of Christ. And here's the deal. I love the fact that it says he himself gave. God is the one who gives them to the church. He is the one who puts a desire in people for them to desire to be in ministry. And they sense that calling. It's the church's responsibility, the body then, to recognize that and help them in that process. God gives these leaders to the church. And the church's responsibility is to recognize that. The passage goes on to verse 12, and it says, here's their purpose. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. In other words, God gives leaders to the church so that all of the members can be equipped to do the work of ministry. Our goal here at Vertical has never been for the staff to do all the ministry, but for the staff to recognize every person in the body has a gifting and a calling and to help equip them into serving, finding their place, finding their calling, finding their place that God has equipped them for and them serving that. So, you know, I get excited because here, I think we have a different ratio than in a lot of churches. A lot of churches, the common ratio is 20% of the people do 80% of the work. You probably heard that about the place you work as well, right? But here at Vertical, I think those numbers are very different. We have more like 80% of the people involved in doing the work. It's, there's a high level of involvement. You see it when you come in on Sunday mornings. You saw it this morning. They're outside. They're upstairs in kids' church. They're here. They're on the stage. They're all around the room. They're all around the church serving in ministry. And this is this, these are the leader's roles to equip and train the members for the work of ministry. And when that's happening, the body is engaged. The body is motivated. The people want to worship. The people want to serve. The people want to teach. The people want to find their place. The desire comes alive within them when the leaders are doing the work that they should do. And when that happens, people start finding their calling. They start recognizing, hey, here is my gift. Here is what God has called me to do. I have a passion for this. I want to step out. I want to live by faith. I want to connect. I want to make a difference. I want to give my life away for someone else. That is becoming more like Jesus, the whole body doing that. And then when leaders are doing this, the church begins to walk in real power. There's a real strength. There's a real boldness. There's a sense of we're in this together and we're all serving and we're giving and we're doing what God has called us to do. And the church then becomes very influential in the culture. The church then has a weight when it speaks. The church then is not afraid to speak. The church then has great power. Another thing that happens when leaders are in place is the church grows. I don't mean just numerically, but the church begins to grow because people begin to be saved. We do things different here at Vertical. We don't have come forward salvation calls in every service. We don't do it. But you have seen it. The number of people that we've baptized here because God puts it on the heart of people. Leaders make themselves available and people come. They want to know, how can I be saved? I want to be baptized. I want to follow Jesus Christ. And they come and God moves. And when a church is healthy and the leaders are in place, that happens. 
People are saved, people are baptized, people become like Jesus in the process. They start changing and they continue changing. They're not the same people they used to be. They find help for their life. They find hope in their life. They find transformation for who they are. And all of this begins to be the church growing. The church starts walking its identity. The church starts seeing, hey, we are the salt the earth. We are the light of the world. We are the pillar and the ground of truth. And people start standing up and recognizing, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. I'm not going to pull back anymore. I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel anymore because I'm not just me alone anymore. I'm part of a great army. I'm part of a church. I'm part of a family. I'm part of a group. I'm being challenged by leaders. I'm being taught. I'm being encouraged. And when that happens, the church starts walking in boldness and power. And the church starts praying in power. The church starts pulling down strongholds. The church starts pulling down lies. The church starts pulling down things that have held people captive. And we start seeing the very thing that Jesus said he had come to do. That he had come to preach the gospel to the spiritually poor. That he had come to heal the brokenhearted. That he had come to proclaim deliverance to the captives. And he had come to give sight to those who have been blind. And that is what we've been seeing here at Vertical because we have people who have responded to God's call and are walking in obedience to that. Now the passage goes on in verse 13 and it says this. Here's what leaders do. They do this till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The leaders keep serving and the body keeps growing And they do that so that the entire body comes together with a unity of faith. Not unity of opinion. Not unity of doing everything the same way about everything in our lives. But in a unity of faith. We stand together on the essentials of the faith. And we grow up into the knowledge of the Son of God. We start understanding who Jesus is and what he's called us to be and who he is in us and who we are in him. And all of this starts happening and then people begin to mature. People change. They're no longer like they were. And when that happens, there's growth within a body. And you start seeing people rise up to the position of even wanting to lead, to serve. And whether that be in hospitality, or children's ministry, youth ministry, worship, tech, groups, whatever it is, people start stepping up because this is what we're called to do as the body of Christ. Amen? Now, I love all of that for so many reasons because that's what Jesus has told us to do. But I love it because it starts to see, we start to see then the fulfillment of vision. Let me show you the vertical vision statement. Our staff, a couple of years back, spent weeks, months, praying, seeking the Lord. And God gave us this. Vertical Church is driven to be the clear voice in society for declaring the gospel. I think we are right on track for that. Amen? We boldly proclaim the gospel. Our vision is to be the leading voice, not just a voice, the leading voice. We want to be on the front edge for speaking truth into the culture. I think we're on track to do that, amen? 
We have been bold. We have been unashamed. We have been very intentional about bringing truth into the very relevant issues of life. One of the repeating statements we hear from people who come to Vertical is, I love the fact that the church is not ashamed to stand for truth. That's essential in this day and time. At a time when the moorings seem to be shifting, when the church itself as a whole seems to be losing its footing and, and, and going along with the ways of the culture, it's essential that believers stand strong and say, no, we will speak about the issues of culture. We will bring truth to bear in the matter, not just so that we can be an irritant into the culture, but so that we can see captives set free and the gospel proclaimed. So, uh, speaking the truth in culture and the standard for training followers of Jesus to confidently live out their faith. We're, still on, we're on track for this one. We want to help the members, every one of us, be trained so that we can follow Jesus with great confidence. To stand bold, be certain, know what the scriptures say, know that God is with us, and hold to his promises by faith. And so what you're going to see today, I believe, is the fulfillment of much of this statement that God gave us. And you're going to see it in some very specific lives because the training of the believer will lead to the training of those who become leaders within the church, those who step up and become um, those who demonstrate by their character and their, their energies that they are serving the Lord and serving the church. So we're going to talk about three different ways today. Let's start with elders. The Bible gives us a description of, um, of what an elder is. And it tells us in 1 Timothy 5.17. He says, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. In other words, within a church, there are those who are leaders and elders, and there are some who have the responsibility for proclaiming the word. They study the word and they teach. They lead. There are others who carry on functions more behind the scenes. So here at Vertical, for example, we are an elder-led church. You won't see us having business meetings. We're not going to vote about uh, the color of paint for a room, you know, from the congregation. Praise God, right? Uh, we have elders that, that help provide the management and leadership of those areas within our church. And we've done that from day one. Our church has been elder-led, and I think it has helped bring great peace and order and accountability to our church. And our elder teams work that way. We have one group of elders that have two functions. One of the groups is responsible for the finances and the facilities and the personnel. They help manage that. I don't just hire staff on my own. They help provide all the accountability. They manage the church budget. They keep an eye on that, not me. 
and I trust them and they trust me and we work together in this process. There's another group that are part of the elders and they handle the benevolence and missions opportunities and the body life of the church. And these two groups together have been our elder team and they have functioned from day one, I think again, in a very healthy way. Well, over the last eight years, we've had different people serve in those roles, but today we are gonna recognize too that we are elevating to the status of elder emeritus. Sounds fancy, doesn't it? And what it is, is they have served in this role faithfully. They have given so much time and energy and prayer that they have expressed a desire to kind of step on into uh, retirement, not retirement role, right? From this role here within the church. So we want to recognize them today. They're not leaving the church. They're not going anywhere. They're going to continue to be here in the church doing what they do, but not in that official role. And it's important that a church recognizes men like this, right? That we give honor to whom honor is due. So uh, let me invite up to the front this morning, Mr. David Biggerstaff and Phil Lynch and his wife, Carol. Yeah, let's give them a hand. They provided great wisdom uh, for our church. Uh, David has worked with the side of the benevolence and the outreach uh, and body life. And uh, Phil has worked in the role. Yeah, there you go. He has worked on the trustees side of caring for our facilities and finances and personnel. And they've both been in these roles almost since day one when we first began as a church. And I've leaned on them for so much insight and help. And they've both given lots of time. Now, David's wife, Linda, is here, but she said she broke her arm recently and it'd be better if she just stayed in her seat. And I said, you're totally welcome to do that. She's got emeritus status. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So uh, with Phil, for example, Phil was here in the early days when um, these facilities needed lots of repair. And Phil was faithful to bring his hammer and tool belt and whatever and all the knowledge he had to help with facilities and, and has done so many things that most people would have no clue about. And Phil never asked for uh, recognition or attention. And that's what makes, to me, a man a great man and an elder in this, in this status a great friend to me, and he and Carol both been supportive. And so it's with great honor that we recognize you today as Elder Emeritus. Yeah, amen. <clears throat> yeah. And, and, and David has fulfilled that role as well, just in a different branch. He, he is the one behind the scenes who has worked whenever there have been needs within the community or a need within a family uh, in a church. And they've said, hey, we're struggling. We have this need. David has led the charge to help provide behind the scenes that kind of work. And so many of you have been helped by their team. But again, it's not one of those things that we 
promote and make a big deal about publicly, but faithfully behind the scenes, they pray, they seek counsel, they do their homework, they do their research, and they've met lots and lots of needs. David and Phil both I've known for years before we ever came to Vertical, and so I count him as a friend too, and I'm grateful for he and Linda and their role. They're not leaving the church, either one of them. They're going to stay and, and be here, thankfully, in this ministry. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yeah. So what I would like, yeah, stand for David. There you go. Come on, come on. Yeah, amen. So I would like for us to pray for them today, and I'd like to ask Mr. Dudley Light to come forward. Dudley serves as one of our um, elders today. He is active on the team, and Dudley is going to pray for them today as we all pray alongside them in gratitude. You know, there's a, a situation where you're asked to serve. The salary for serving is zero, so we're going to double your salary now that you're emeritus. <laughs> so you'll still not receive anything. Yeah. But it means great sacrifice. And both of you have dedicated your lives to the service of the king. Yeah. So we go to the Father. Lord, we want to take this opportunity to bring these two gentlemen before you today to honor them for their great great service to your kingdom and to this church body. While we know, Lord, that they're not going to be on the day-to-day battle line, they're still going to continue to serve, just in a little bit of a different capacity. They provided great leadership for those of us that are now serving on the elder team. And while we'll never be able to fill their shoes, we can certainly walk in, in the knowledge that we've had great leaders go before us. Father, we praise you and we glorify you for men who serve. And we thank you, and we ask that you bless their lives. In the sweet name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you. Yeah, amen, amen. So there are those who serve as elders. There are also those that God calls into ministry, full-time ministry, to be pastors and leaders within a church. And the Bible is clear about how all that happens as well. In fact, in 1 Timothy 3, uh, it says this. It says, this is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of, and the New King James says bishop here, you could also put in elder or pastor, uh, if he desires this, he desires a good work. This is one of the first ways you know God is calling someone into ministry, he gives them a desire. He puts within them a burning passion that says, I have to do that. That's what God's called me to do. I don't know what the future looks like about all of that, but I have to do that. And I remember that call for me back in the day. And God has done that here at our church in many men. And we have recognized that. The passage goes on. It says, if a man is this in, in this role, he must then be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside 
lest he fall into reproach and the snares of the devil. So God provides for the church people who hear God's call and they seek him in that. It's the church's responsibility to recognize that and help them in the process. And the church does that in two ways. One, we meet with someone and when they confirm to us that they have that call upon their life, after we have met with them, our elders have met with them, we, the church, provide a license of ministry for them. And so we're about to do that for a man within our church because the license recognizes he has a call of God upon his life. And then that man enters the process of training and of growing and being evaluated to see if the fruit of his life matches scripture and that it demonstrates he truly is called into ministry. And as I said, we have licensed six, and today we license our seventh. I want to invite Jerry and Kay Phillips to the stage. Y'all come up here and stand with me. Yeah, y'all come on up. Several weeks back, in one of our services, Jerry gave his testimony and spoke about how God has called him. He believed God's calling him into ministry. And you heard that story. And I've met with Jerry multiple times and Kay. And we've talked through this. He's met with our elder team and they've asked questions. And he's given his testimony there about understanding this call into ministry. And so now it is our responsibility as a church, as we're doing today, to recognize that, give him license, opportunity now to function in ministry so he can functionally do a wedding. Do a, do a funeral. Serve in ministry because he is recognized by a church for being called into ministry. And so Jerry has already now entered the phase of where we are helping him grow in this process and be trained for ministry to move ahead into all that God has called him to be and to do. Now, Jerry's made it clear he's not leaving vertical. Praise God. He's not looking to go anywhere else, but he will continue life here. But Jerry's making some pretty significant changes to his lifestyle, his work, his time to give himself at this age, we have the same age, to be in ministry. And we've had a lot of conversations about that because normally this is the kind of stuff that, you know, young men are doing. And Jerry and I are not that as much, right? But God has called him and Jerry is faithful to want to seek the Lord and obey him in this call. And so uh, over, the, over the months and years ahead, we will continue now to meet with Jerry and he will move toward the next process that is ordination. So just for a frame of reference for all of us, we all know what it's like when you're a teenager and you say, I want to drive a car, right? And the state of Texas says, great, take this simple test and we will give you a license where you can drive a car as long as there's someone else in the car with you and you take the training process. And then eventually you get your full license and you can drive freely and independently. That is similar to what licensing and ordaining is. And so uh, as Jerry and I have talked through this, 
Um, I, I'm excited for what God is doing in him. Obviously, he's put his call on his heart because Jerry has a great desire for this. And uh, we're going to pray for Jerry here in just a minute. In fact, if Dan, if you could make your way to the stage. Dan Diaz is one of our uh, elders here at the church as well and a very close friend of, uh, of Jerry's. Spent lots of time with him. But before we do that, um, I want to read a passage of scripture for you, Jerry, that I believe fits you in this moment. And it's the very words that Jesus said as he began his ministry. And I believe this same spirit that was in him is now in you. And this will be what will drive you forward. I know this is your heart and I know God is going to bless you in it. It's from Luke 4, 18. And Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. I know that's your heart's desire. Uh, for Jerry, uniquely, it is for men. And over his time here, we've seen Jerry work in men's ministry, lead a men's conference, lead men's groups, uh, do one-on-one -on -one mentoring with many different men and small groups of men. This is Jerry's heartbeat and passion. More importantly, it's the spirit of God's heartbeat and passion inside Jerry. This is who he is. And so I want us as a church to recognize this today, this calling upon his life and license him into ministry. Amen. Can we affirm that with our at least applause and some amens? Yeah, amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Now Dan, would you please pray for Jerry? Now, first, Jerry, I'd like to thank you for the friendship that I have in you, for all the love that God has poured out to me for you, for the accountability that I have from you, and uh, for all the change that I've seen in my life that has come from you. Thank you. <clears throat> Father, I thank you so much for Jerry. I thank you for the lives that he has already changed, the lives that you brought to him to uh, minister to, the lives that uh, you will be bringing to him. I thank you, Father, that you have begun this work in his life, Father, and I thank you that your word tells us, promises us that 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 you have begun, you will continue and you will complete. Mm -hmm. I thank you, Father, for all the many lives that uh, Jerry is going to touch and who, through him, you will change. Thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Yeah. All right. All right, also this morning, we are going to recognize two men within our own church that have been licensed. In fact, they were licensed to ministry three plus years ago here at Vertical. And since that time, um, we've all watched their lives. We've watched them grow right in front of us. 
and we've watched them change and mature, and they've been trained behind the scenes, and they are functioning fully in ministry here. So if you would uh, warmly welcome to the stage this morning, Truett and Chloe and Caleb and Brianna. Yeah. Yeah, and family, awesome. If you got a free hand, Caleb, you can hold on to that for just a minute. So the ordaining process is a little different than that of just licensing. Because at the licensing phase where Jerry is, we recognize the desire within him. We did that with Truett and Caleb some time back, and we have spent the years since then, evaluating their lives to see if what plays out matches what they have said is playing out in their heart. And this is a church's responsibility to recognize the call and then confirm that it is true. And we have watched their lives, as I've said, right in front of us, whether it be in student ministry, leading student camps, sitting on the podcast table with me or wherever it is, uh, Truett, we've watched grow up. Now, this obviously has many more connections for Heather and I because this is our youngest son. And, uh, and so we're excited what God is doing in him. And we've watched him progress through high school and the early days of college and, and, and wondering what is God's will, what is God's pursuit, and then giving himself fully to that and watching God bless uh, since then and have Chloe join him in the process now is, is a blessing. We've also watched Caleb right in front of our eyes grow up, right? From the very beginning here at Vertical uh, in his role as worship leader, within the first year, he stepped up and was leading from this spot. And we've all watched him grow and mature and learn and change and communicate and understand God's ways and lead entire teams and be part of leading worship here and conferences and youth events and children's activities, all kind of places. And then to have Brianna join him in that process. Uh, she's mostly raising children right now, but she's in that process for sure. Brianna is our oldest daughter. And so there are, again, lots of ties and connections for me this morning. Uh, and we see what's happening on stage. And so uh, I want to ask uh, a special guest to come on stage this morning and help in this process. And it is uh, Heather's dad, Nick Harris. Yeah, give him a hand. So uh, I've known, as I call him, Brother Nick for a long time. Uh, he was my pastor. He was my mentor. He was the one um, that was part of this process for me, licensed me and ordained me into ministry. And so uh, as family and as wisdom, I wanted you to be able to speak into their lives this morning and then pray for them. All right. Thank you so much. And this is a privilege for me. And I wanted is I prayed for the two of you and Jerry, I prayed for you this week too. I thought of four things, and they'll be real brief. Number Go ahead. One, Go ahead. The privilege, if you already mentioned the privilege yeah. of being in the ministry, to think that the God who created the world yeah. would call yeah. frail and needy people 
to be his representative to the world. It's just amazing. Yeah. And Paul told Timothy, guard the deposit. God has made a deposit in each of you. So that's the privilege of ministry. But then I want to think just for a minute about the pressure of ministry. Somebody told me when I was about younger than you even, that when God chooses a man, Satan paints a target on him. And that you will receive fiery darts. And there will be pressure. Pressure from Satan. Pressure from ministry. And just the weight of doing ministry. But then praise God, there's provision. God has given you the armor of God upon you. The the power of God, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ before you. Brian talked about that earlier. Mm-hmm. The Spirit of God within you. Yeah. Your family beside you. The saints of God all around you. And goodness and mercy following you all the days of your life. And the rock of truth beneath you. And the grace of heaven above you. So, woo! <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He's just got you covered. So no matter how much the pressure, God's made the provision. And then uh, finally, the productivity. God wants to produce in you his character, the character of Jesus, and the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, mercy, so forth. But he also wants you to be productive in producing and helping others have that produced in their life. You are a branch in the vine. The vine actually provides the life. You simply bear the fruit and then you help produce that fruit in others as well. So it's a great mm-hmm. responsibility yeah. and a great joy. Let me pray for both of you. Mm. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Caleb I thank you so much for Truett. And Lord, I just thank you that you have called them into the great responsibility, the wonderful privilege of being able to stand before people, to lead them in truth and to lead them in worship and to bring them to the very throne of their heavenly father. And I thank you for the provision that you've made for them. I thank you for the wife that you've given to each of them the children that you're giving to them. And I pray that their greatest ministry will be right there in their home. Mm-hmm. And, and as, as you perfect them and strengthen them and encourage them in their home, I pray that the overflow of all that you're doing in their life at home will just flow into the life of their family here at church. And I ask you to minister your grace to them and use them in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Amen. Amen. Now, before y'all leave, I haven't prayed for you, and I want to say something to you. We can let the kids go down, maybe. Okay? That's right. I get a chance to say something because I'm family also, and I'm the pastor. Amen?
I want to give to you the same charge that Paul gave Timothy. And it applies to both of you, all four of you. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Can we pray together for them? Father, I thank you for these men. I thank you that you have called them to this place. You have called them into ministry. You've demonstrated that by the desire you've placed in them. And now you've demonstrated to us by their character and their lifestyle and how they conduct themselves in ministry. I ask for a mighty anointing to be on their lives from this point forward, of power greater than they've known, of confidence greater than they can even comprehend, that for this day, this time, they will stand tall, they will stand strong, they will stand on your word, they will not be shaken, they'll be moved by your spirit, they will change generations to come, they will change their family, they will change the church, they will change the culture, they will change this nation because of the word that you have given them. I pray they would not be moved, not be shaken, but have certainty in what you've called them to. I thank you for every ounce of training that has gone into this point, and I know you're not finished yet. I know you will continue to perfect, to train, and to make them effective for ministry. As a church, we stand together to support, to build them up as they lead for Truett, I pray for a powerful anointing as he leads students in this day and time. A generation that is confused and walking in darkness and desperate for truth. God, I pray a special anointing upon him and Chloe that they would know that you've called them. Speak clearly without any fear of what repercussions might come. But instead, in standing for truth and standing in grace, you would, we would see young people brought here to this place. We'd see young people who have been walking in confusion in their own sin, that they would come to find life here in this place. They would fall in love with you, Jesus, and be forever changed. And Father, I pray for Caleb. I pray for a powerful anointing upon him as he continues to lead in worship, that when he sings, our hearts would be drawn to you. Every person would be Move to open their mouth in worship because you are a great God. I pray that everything about him would demonstrate that and communicate that. That there would be no uncertainty or hesitancy or insecurity on his part, but full boldness and confidence that you have called him to this and you are using him in this church and even beyond. So we pray all this because you have called us to, Father, because you promised this is where the blessing is. We stand in this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Amen. Amen.